0: Hebrews chapter 9, verses 24 to 28. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true. But into heaven itself, now, to appear in the presence of God for us. Nor yet that he should offer himself often, as the high priest entereth into the holy place every year with blood of others. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now, once, in the end of the world, hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself, and, as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment, so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look For him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Father, we are thankful this morning for one more look at this wonderful text that highlights the unique appearances of Thy Son, our Savior Jesus Christ, highlighting the fact that He did appear highlighting the fact that he is now appearing and that he shall appear. Help us then today as we return to those emphases to find good encouragement and strength for our souls from on high. Thank you for the unique background that is being developed here between the Old Testament picturing or foreshadowing and the New Testament substance, which is Jesus Christ. Help us, then, to see it, to savor it, to be blessed by it, to embrace it, and to be bettered because of it. And for that, we will praise you in Jesus' name and for his blessed sake. Amen. Man, am I glad to see you again. When Aaron or one of the appointed high priests after him, stepped out of the Holy of Holies, having entered in on that one appointed day a year, the congregation of Israel sighed in relief. The reappearance of the high priest on Yom Kippur assured God's ancient flock that the blood of covering had been rightly applied to their case and that they were poised rightly before God for another year so when Aaron stepped out or one of the high priests after him stepped out they may well have heard somebody say man am I glad to see you again the sight of their high priest was a blessed and welcome thing This is the Old Testament ritual under the law that serves as a backdrop to the declaration of the reappearance of Jesus out of heaven, verse 28. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him, He shall appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Now, having worked with the truth of our great high priest and the fact that he did appear, verse 26, and indeed does appear now in heaven, verse 24, we're working today with the blessed and welcome truth that he will reappear, verse 28. I trust that you recall the present tense of the Lord's appearance before the face of God. Uh, Verse 24 is indeed for us. And when we studied verse 24, we saw that it informed us uh, uh, by way of a descriptive word, translated appearance, that yields the English word emphasis of that particular thing that the Lord Jesus Christ is even now emphasizing on our behalf, before the throne of God. And that which the Lord is talking about, that which the Lord is emphasizing before the throne of the Father, on our behalf, is his own accomplishment on the cross for our sins as his children. The Lord before the throne is speaking of the accomplishment of our Lord Uh, Once for all in the sacrifice of himself, so says verse 26, he appeared on earth to die for sin, our sin, and he now appears in heaven as our mediating high priest, advocating on the basis of his own sacrificial shed blood. Verse 28 tells us that he shall appear or reappear on the earth to the blessed relief and joy of God's Flock. This is the truth that we're working with today, with its many connections and glorious assertion, as it is developed in verse 27 and 28. I can't help but think of how my own sense of desire for the Lord has changed over many years. Even as a young teenager, I was happy to say, Even so come Lord Jesus. But I usually had a but. Even so, come Lord Jesus. But I'd like to get married to Sherry first. Even so, come Lord Jesus. But I'd like to have that baby boy first. Even so, come Lord Jesus. But I'd like to see that grandkid. Well, I'll tell you, I don't have any butts left <laughs> in my life. These days, I'm just, I'm just happy to entertain the thought that he who came will come. And I tell you that when my high priest steps out on a cloud out of heaven, it will be a blessed relief for me. I will welcome him. I will rejoice in him. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. The word translated shall appear yields the English word optics and speaks of the reappearance of our great high priest on earth. He appeared on earth. He appears in heaven. He shall appear on earth. Uh, The same word translated appear uh, that we have here in verse 28 is used by Luke in his gospel account to describe the resurrected Lord's manifestation of Himself to Simon Peter on Resurrection Sunday morning. This is the same word that the Apostle John uses in his epistle, chapter 3, when he tells us, we shall see Him as He is. The word see is our word optic, as is the word appear, In verse 28, our text presents us with three connected truths to the second coming or the reappearance of the Lord Jesus Christ on earth. And so this morning, we're giving our minds to the three connected truths of the scripture. It's much easier just to take the thought, Jesus is coming again, and run wherever you want to with it. But that's not preaching the Bible. That's just preaching the things that you already know about it. We don't want to take the thought of the reappearance of Christ and just say whatever we would normally say about it. We want to take the thought that Jesus Christ is coming again and attach to that coming the specific connections and thoughts of Scripture. And that's what we're going to do right now. Truth number one. The ones benefited, relieved, and blessed by the reappearance of Jesus are those looking for Him now. The verse says, So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. He did appear. And unto them that look for Him shall He appear the second time without sin Unto salvation. These are those that have placed their faith in the Lord and His saving accomplishment in the first advent. The Apostle Paul spoke, in addition, of those that love the Lord's appearing, being rightly rewarded by Him when He returns. The words of our text that the Lord shall appear. And particularly, this appearance is directed towards those who, quote, look for him. Now, in the same way that the only ones historically relieved and blessed after the resurrection were those followers that saw him alive in the flesh. So, prophetically, those that love and trust him now will be blessed and relieved at the sight of Him in the flesh, at His return. The reappearance of Jesus is a relief and a welcome uh, for those that look for Him. But it's no relief and it's no welcome for those that do not look for Him. Or as we've said it many times before, the reappearance of Jesus is for us who believe, Oh! But... The reappearance of Jesus for those that do not believe is no. And There's a great divide between the oh and the no. We are told the Lord comes and that he comes specifically to benefit those who look for him. For those that are are loving him and looking for him here and now. I remember some years ago we'd sung and sung and sung, so many uh, Resurrection Sunday songs, so many Easter songs that when there started to be some new music put out that uh, uh, some of us were intrigued by some of the new things written. And I remember when a particular song came out, and I loved the, 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 the tune, and I loved the chorus, uh, but uh, the words of the song were so offensive to me because it had the Lord on the cross uh, taunting the crowd and saying, Go ahead. Nail me uh, to the cross. I will come again. Uh, I will, I'll be back. Uh, and uh, and just kind of a in your face, I'm showing up to see Pilate again. And boy, will Pilate be scared right out of his shoes when I uh, come back from the dead. Guess what? Pilate never knew. When the Lord resurrected, he didn't enact some immediate Ministry of Revenge. Rather, he appeared to those who loved him and had followed him. His appearance of the resurrected Christ was for those that loved him and those that are benefited by him. Thus, the return of Christ is for those that love him and that look for him. It's a good thing to be reminded of that truth. Christ, having offered himself once to bear our sins, created this growing family on the earth of people that love him and look to him and long for him. And to them and to their relief and welcome, he shall appear. I'm not saying he doesn't appear so that the the junk dog doesn't see it too. He will, but I'm just telling him, won't be any relief to him. You understand. Truth number two, the Lord's appearance is the time of personal salvation complete. The Lord's reappearance is the time of personal salvation complete. You have the word salvation at the end of the chapter. And I would remind you of the three senses and the three tenses of salvation, even in a text in which we've been looking at the three tenses and the three senses of appearance, as referenced here in 24, 26, and 28. The three appearances and the three elements of salvation beautifully align as we think upon them and stick them together in this text. We are being saved or sanctified here and now, because Jesus is appearing there, verse 24. But that is predicated or founded upon the fact that he had previously appeared to take away sin by dying for our sins on the cross. And so we can say, because of the cross, I am saved. We can say, because of the work of Christ in heaven right now, I'm being saved. And we can say, because of the promise that Christ shall reappear, I will be saved. And so we are saved, saved, and saved by faith in Christ. And this particular reference to salvation here in the text is referencing the uniqueness of the reappearance of Christ and the completion of our salvation. Now, the first two truths, truth number one, truth number two, are are strengthened and secured by the third truth of our text, and I have moved rapidly to get to it because it's the most unusual thought of our text. In fact, it causes the mind to think things that the mind would just not normally go to think whatsoever unless the Bible and the Spirit of God were to prompt you. But nonetheless, the first two truths uh, concerning the reality of Christ in verse 28 uh, bring us to the third point of the text, which has to do, truth number three, that in the reappearance of Jesus, he returns, Bible words, without sin. Now, what is the significance of being told that when Christ comes back, he comes without sin? In the upcoming advent of Christ, we anticipate the Lord Jesus arriving. In power and great glory. There is no further work for him to accomplish concerning our sin. His reappearing will be the final confirmation of what we already know that our Lord Jesus did. Everything right at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burden of my soul lifted away. When the high priest came out of the Holy of Holies back in the Old Testament ritual that foreshadowed these things, The congregation was relieved. Man, am I glad to see you. I knew you were going in today. It's Yom Kippur. But I'm awful happy you came out today. Out from the presence of the Almighty in order to stand before the congregation of the saints and declare the work was done right. Hence, the second coming is the ultimate confirmation that began at the resurrection and developed in the ascension and then is complete at the coronation when Christ returns, that everything Jesus Christ did on the cross was perfectly right and forever settling of our case's before the Almighty. When he comes out from before the very presence of God, the Holy of Holies actual, not the Holy of Holies symbolic, not the Holy of Holies figurative, not the Holy of Holies parabolic, but when Jesus comes out of the Holy of Holies of heaven, actual, to step out on a cloud, He comes apart from anything to do with sin. Now, of course, he never had any sin of his own, but in his first appearance on earth, he directed himself to the saving mission and the appointment of the Almighty to deal with our sin. And that mission was completely successful. And the logic of the text concerning this begins in verse 27. You and I almost always characterize verse 27 contrary to the Bible truth. In other words, we like to say something about it that we think the Bible is saying, and the Bible is saying that, but that is not the Bible's point. You with me? Verse 27 says, and as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment, so Christ. The point of verse 27 is 28. The point of the verse that says it's appointed unto man once to die, and then the judgment is verse 28. And the thought of what Christ did when he appeared, and the contrast of that to when he appeared appears. Now, I wrote this down uh, step by step, not knowing what the ladies were singing in the first hour today, but nonetheless, I wrote this down step by step, and I have seven steps, but I wrote this down just so that we can think to the rationale that is being offered us here in this particular text, and there's an element of this that I think is just absolutely thrilling if you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Here are the steps. Number one, in the general course, all human beings physically die as a direct result of God's own appointment death is certain as we might say thus verse 27 does say it is appointed unto men once to die and we usually when we quote that what we're saying is somebody either is going to die or somebody did just die and then when somebody dies we like to quote this bible verse it's appointed unto men once to die and then the verse says, it's point on men once to die, and after that, of course, the judgment. Number two, death is certain because of God's own judgment on sin. The only reason there's any death is because of sin. If there was no sin, there'd be no death. The logical payment, the logical wage, or wages, as the Bible says it, uh, the wages of sin is death. So death is certain because of God's judgment on sin. And following an individual's physical death, he or she should rightly expect to stand before God in judgment. So usually when we read verse 27, we are either saying somebody is going to die or somebody did die. And then we are going to go on to say uh, everyone is judged. Either the one that did die will be judged or the one that is going to die will be ju- uh, judged. That there is a, a correspondence between the concept of the certainty of death and the certainty of judgment. And all who die are judged. Death and judgment have been brought together together by the orchestration of the Almighty in order that you and I might be saved. But nonetheless, death and judgment go together as orchestrated by the Almighty. Number three, Christ was once offered in death to carry away the sins of many people having no sin of his own. Verse 28 says, So Christ was once offered, offered in death, to bear the sins of many. He died once. He died alone. He died for many, having no sin of his own. The only person... Listen. The only person who has ever experienced being forsaken of God thus far is Jesus the Christ. The only human being that has ever experienced being forsaken of God thus far is Jesus the Christ. And he experienced being forsaken of God so that you and I wouldn't have to. That's called salvation. He died once. Number four, he died once. Those sins of others once. Bore the judgment of God for those sins of others once. He was judicially separated from God the Father only that one time while bearing our sins on the cross and when he cried out it is finished is when God the Father removed from him the sin of the world successfully born. Jesus said it was over because it was over. Not only Did Christ pay for my sins? But all my sins were judged after death in Jesus Christ my Lord. I have trusted his death as my death for sin. And in his blessed death, my sins have been judged one time and for all there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus wow I'm telling you honestly if you can't preach this you ought to just pack up your tent and go someplace and hang out in the woods because this is just glorious Uh, Number five, the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus prove his success in bearing away or putting away sin. Number six, those of us with faith in the Lord and his saving work on the cross are freed from the penalty of our own sin even now. Not because we are yet perfectly righteous, but because our sin was judged at the cross in Jesus. Why can we make such a a fuss over the cross? Why do we have so many songs about the cross? Uh, Why do we speak so often of the cross? Well, I'm telling you that it is just a glorious thing to think about what happened there. What happened there has created the freedom of the soul for he who believes. Number seven, when Jesus reappears on earth, it is all about the joy and the relief of seeing in the flesh our great high priest, our Savior. And just as the offertory was in the first hour today, what a day that'll be. That'll be a day. It's important for us as the people of God to ask ourselves from time to time, uh, what time is it? What time is it right now? In light of these realities, in light of the fact that Christ once offered himself to bear the sins of many, we would say our sins, and then the promise that those that look for him, he will appear the second time without having to deal at all with sin and, of course, completing the aspect of our salvation It's important for us to ask ourselves then, uh, he did appear, he is appearing, he shall appear. And so what time is it? What time is it for me? What time is it for you? Well, according to the Apostle Paul, it is high time to awake out of sleep. Paul said, now our salvation in its final and completed form is promised, is nearer (laughs) than when we believe." talked to my brother this past week and cancer's landed in his spine he has to have radiation the cancer is active throughout his body he's going to begin chemotherapy and uh, in talking back and forth to each other on the phone I said uh, isn't it funny how how when you read something in the Bible when you're young like our salvation is nearer than when we believed isn't it funny how that it strikes you when you're young like, <laughs> that's kind of stupid. Why would you say that? Your salvation is nearer than one you believed. I mean, come on. That's kind of a goofy way to say it, isn't it? Well, not once you've been diagnosed with cancer. Not once you're scheduled for radiation. Not once the chemo is to begin. Not once you're, not once you're, you're confronted with the reality that your days are numbered and counted of God. And even if you think you got a long time, believe me, it's brief. Brief. Life is but a vapor and gone. So, what time is it? High time. Not to be sleeping in light of our salvation being complete, nearer than when we believed, but to be active, but to be responsive. The final thing, of course, associated with the reappearance of Christ has to do with the believer's immortality and their incorruption of body fashioned after the glorious body of the Lord Jesus Christ. John says, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope purifieth himself or holyizes himself even as Christ is pure and holy. The certainty of my release from the penalty of my own sin by faith is uniquely attached to the truth that Jesus appeared. And the promise that his reappearance will complete my faith with the sight of him apart from sin, those two things put together compels me to be cooperative with the Spirit of God in the days of earthly pursuit, while He is appearing there, I am seeking to be active here according to first hour of the day, kingdom purpose. He is now there before the throne for us. We are here in active pursuit of His Glory in every word and deed. He is representing us well before the Father. You and I are to represent him well before the eyes of men. Let your light shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your heavenly Father. He represents you this hour there, He would have you represent him here. May God help us who are saved to be saved until we're saved. Father, thank you for the surety of your word and the truths that stir our soul. We rejoice in your goodness to us, and we pray that we would be a responsive people And we pray that we would be a good representative people of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. This we pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.